turned on the basketball tournament yesterday for just a few minutes. Less than just a few minutes. At the end of a game, I heard a common commentator speaking. I believe sometimes there's divine appointments that you don't expect in the least. No sports analogies here. That's not what we're talking about. He was talking about when a team that struggled all year to find its footing. But when they came to the floor yesterday, they brought everything and left it on the court and be the number one seed. And the emotion that was overflowing from one of the players. And when they asked him why he was so emotional, why, why, why he was boiling over, he just shook his head and said, I don't know, I can't say. I don't know, I can't say. He said, this is not about a sports analogy. One of the commentators says, I can tell you what it was, that old term, it, a gut check. It said because they come to the place where they can leave nothing in their tank. He said he hadn't, didn't have any words because he had nothing left in the tank. Now, I don't know if you understand that. But when I heard that, I just immediately shut out the TV and wrote it down. Because, see, that's been the thing, the church tried to find its footing in the atmosphere that we're in. And it is time for a gut check. This morning is a gut check from the Holy Spirit. Are you going to do, do your program and go through the motions and eat crawfish in a little bit? Or are you going to do what I ask you to do? If it's your first time here, listen to me. We're going to do always what God asks us to do. It may look very much like a normal service next time you're here, whatever normal is, but we're going to meet with God every time we walk in the door. That's the determination. But it's time that there's nothing, that, that I can't leave anything in this. Sometimes I feel like I've given it all and it's time to back off. And JR, you're just a little radical and you're going, he said, but you know, we're in a place where we can't, there's, we can't leave and leave something in the tank. If we've left something in the tank, we've left someone out. Do you understand that? That we're battling for lives and souls in a dark, dark, dark world. And we can't leave anything in the tank at all. I just began to write down, I'm gonna just share with you just a moment before we break the bread of life. I feel like the Lord would say, he said to, my, to his church, he said, you spent years prior to prioritizing experience over doctrine. That's true. We got crazy stuff going on in the church for experiences. When there's no, when the truth of the gospel, when, when teaching, whenever what's right from the word of God has been left out, then you wonder how we get off in la-la land. Spent years, the church has spent years, my church has spent years 
with unanswered attack. In other words, the world has went after the church of the Lord Jesus Christ as if we're the problem. And backed us into our homes that religion belongs, it's a personal, it belongs at your home, but leave it there. And we've come under assault as the problem, as the bigots, as, as the racist, as the misogynist, as the, he says, the, my church is weak because it spent years in unanswered attack. See, the first one, I don't, I don't like to get into the preacher, years of experience over doctrine, that's we've left hermeneutics out of the pulpit. Unanswered attack, we've left apologetics out of the, out of the pulpit. Years of encouragement, messages of encouragement with no exhortation or rebuke. We've created a church culture, the church du jour, the consumer church culture, where if you don't like what's going on here, I'll just go to the church down the street. Leaving out, leaving out any room for correction and rebuke and growth. Years of preaching, everything is going to be all right. Without teaching the only how for how everything's going to be all right. Everything can only be all right when you, when you live in the how of everything will be all right. Are you hearing me? We've had more positive thinking than truthful preaching. Listen, it's only going to be all right if you live right and do right, believe right. That's the only way things can be all right. The world can fall apart and go to hell in a handbasket, literally. Come apart at the seams. And the Bible says that's what's going to happen. But we can be all right. And have no fear and take no thought. Jesus said, take no thought for tomorrow. For today is sufficient unto itself. He literally tells you, he said, you worry about how you're going to eat, how you're going to, how you're going to pay your bills. How you're going. He says, he said, consider the lilies of the field. He said, they don't toil, they don't spin. In other words, they don't work for a living. <laughs> but Solomon in all of his great glory was nothing compared to their beauty. He said, consider the sparrows, the birds of the air. They don't worry about how they're going to eat. God provides. He said, aren't you worth more than many? Yeah. We have nothing to worry about if we will humble ourselves and pray. And as much, much depends on us. See, the church, listen to me, the church is not the problem. When I say the church, listen to me very well. I want to be very clear. I'm not talking about denominations and establishments and the Vatican and Rome and Springfield and all those things. That's not the church. I'm not talking about the papal system, whether it's a 
Protestant papal system or a Catholic papal system. We're not talking about that. The church is the living body of Christ that is made up of the blood-bought and the redeemed. That is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's the church of the Lord Jesus Christ that is holding this world together, not tearing it apart. The quieter we became, because we didn't want to be seen as negative or judgmental or whatever those things are. We've spent literally 30 years or more, 40 years maybe now in the seeker-sensitive movement, whatever you want to call it, and it has infected everywhere. There were things that were heresies when they came out and everybody knew it, but they maintained and didn't let up and we've mainstreamed it. Where people like me, I think you know that I'm a truth teller. (laughs) And that makes me the odd man out. All it takes to be an extremist today is just to be, just to stand for what's true. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. But it's the truth that sets people free. We spent 40 years, listen to me, we have spent 40 years at least on the notion that if we only preach the, the, the tender things, the loving things, which is ridiculous because the truth of God's word is all love. If we only teach the, th- the ear-tickling things and, the, and the, the health, wealth, and prosperity and that there's, no, that there's no condemnation of what the Bible calls sin, there's no rebuke, there's no exhortation, there's no call to repentance, that maybe the world will like us. I read just yesterday from Barna, day before yesterday, after 40 years of this mess, that evangelical Christians are the most hated people in the United States. We surrendered the message for the sake of compliance and acceptability, and they still hate us. And we've lost a generation. We've lost a generation that's never seen a power of the move of God because we were withholding truth for the sake of being liked. And guess what? They still don't like us. And we forget that Jesus told us that they wasn't going to. He says, they hated me. They're going to hate you. See, this gospel, Paul said... It's foolishness to the Greek, to the wise, to the, to the learned and the smart folks, the academics. Hello? It's foolish. This gospel is foolishness to the Greeks. And it's a stumbling block to the Jews, to the religious. He said, but to those of us that are being saved, did you hear me? This gospel is a stumbling block to the academic. It's a a foolishness to the academic. It's a stumbling block to the religious. But to anybody that's going to be saved, listen to me, it is the power of God. It is the power of God. It's the power of God. 
There's no other way. You want to people see, see, see people set free? Preach the truth. Tell the truth. The church is not the problem. The church has the answer. And the answer is Jesus Christ. The answer, Jesus is still the answer for the world today. He's not an answer, he's the answer. And the only answer, Jesus is the answer for the world today. People think it's judgmental. People think it's all these things. I won't even go into all of it, but I'm gonna tell you, rebellion is the problem. Obedience is the answer. Does anybody realize if everybody everywhere lived by what God asked for in this book, let me tell you how big of a problem it is. Mark, I'll tell you how big of a problem it is. If everybody in the world lived by this book, there would be no crime. None. There would be no divorce. None. There would be no abortions. None. There would be no sexually transmitted diseases. Zero. There would be, there would be no wars and rumors of wars. None. Do I need to go on? There would be no bitter, even bitter contention. That old song says, no unkind words that wound the heart are spoken. Because <laughs> you know what? That's what's going to make heaven heaven. Do you know that? It's when everything comes in line. When all things, you know what's going to make heaven heaven? All things will be made new. All th everything will be restored to what? To this. What you got me on thinking about? It's a place where there's no misunderstanding. Out there from all enmity and strife will cease. No unkind words that wound the heart will be spoken. See, that's what happens when you walk in the truth of God's word. The church is not the problem. The church has the answer. Deuteronomy chapter 6 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. How much? All of your heart. Divided hearts have to go. That's in the church. The world don't have a heart to guard at all. The divided hearts of God's people has to go. It's not acceptable. Hello? Divided hearts have to go. He calls it adultery is what he calls it, a divided heart. He gave us that term because we understand that term. The Lord your God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul. 
And with all of your strength. How much of your strength? All of your strength. You know what that sounds like? Leave nothing in the tank. Leave nothing in the tank. With all of your strength. And these words I command you today shall be in your heart. And you shall, listen, this is where we missed it. Are you here? This is where we missed it. Listen, this is, this is under the old covenant. I mean, how much more under the new covenant? You think, if you think that's not for today, I'll bring you up to date in just a second. And these words I command you. Command you. God speaking. These words I command you shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Not casually. That's not a bedtime story. Hear me. That's not a bedtime story. That is when you get up in the morning, how you meet the day. That is in traffic, how you meet the traffic. You're not hearing me. All your heart, all your soul, all of your strength. You shall teach it diligently. I have failed in this just this week. Me. I want you to know I have to live it. You shall teach it diligently, not casually, to your children. Preacher, you're just a little radical with all this stuff to our children. Teach it diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. Are you hearing? Listen, unless you think he's still being a little casual and, and I'm being a little overboard. He said, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand. <laughs> and they shall be frontlets between your eyes. And you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. What is he telling you? That the ways of the Lord should, should show on you when you go to bed, when you get up, when you go to work, when you come home. They shouldn't be able to see you at Starbucks without it written on your head that I'm his and that I'm walking in his word. That you shouldn't be able to go through the line at Walmart without it being. It says make them a coverlet, a frontlet on your, between your eyes. That it's not what you do and where you go on Sundays. It is who I am. It is who I am. It says teach it diligently to your children. It's not where I go. It's not what I do. It's not who I belong to. It is who I am. It's who I am. It should show on your home, in your home, out of your home. Everywhere. It's not something you pick up and you put down. If a man is in Christ, he's a new creation. It's who you are. In Luke chapter, or Mark chapter 12, I just want to bring you up to date real quick. Jesus says in Mark chapter 12, verse 28 says, And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered, that Jesus, he, Jesus, had answered well, he asked him, Which is the first commandment of all? 
I'm just making sure that all the people that have been taught by Andy Stanley and all those other heretics that the Old Covenant doesn't matter anymore. And yes, I said it right, heretics. Not just a little wrong, not a little bit of bad doctrine. Hear me, heretics. That means you don't glean from them. That, don't mean, that means you don't chew up the bones and spit, or chew up the meat and spit out the bones. That means you don't eat the straw and spit out the sticks. When somebody is so far off base that they don't even know that they're not even representing God, you're not hearing me. You reject them. You mark them for what they are and you reject them outright and let God deal with them. And Jesus answered him and said, the first of all commandments here, O Israel, the Lord our God, is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. This is the first commandment. Not the first suggestion. The first guideline. The first commandment. And the second like is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. The church has been taught that we don't live under commandments. Oh, but how wrong can you be? It says that, it doesn't say this is the last commandment, it says this is the first commandment and the greatest. Hear me, church. If I ask you what the Great Commission was, you would say, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Hear it in a different way. Did you know what's in there in different ways? I wondered how the Lord had all this to be together this morning. Luke 14, 15. Luke chapter 14, verse 15 says, Now when all of those that sat at the table with him, Jesus, heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. And then he, Jesus, said to him, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, come, for all things are ready now, are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. Now there's a direct reflection to the house of Israel for refusing the great supper, for refusing their Messiah, but he's speaking to Israel and to the church. He says, for they began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground and must go see it. I ask you to have me excused. One of the greatest lies in all the world that the devil's ever perpetrated is that the world has better things to offer than Jesus. One of the greatest things that we bought the lie of is the things of this world are better and to be prioritized above Jesus. That the world's food is greater 
than what the master could serve. So they began to make excuses. The Bible calls it exactly what it is. Another said, I have five yoke of oxen. I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife. I always think it's interesting when people think a gift that God gives them is priority above the giver. Proverbs says if man has found a wife, he's found a what? A good thing. Good thing. He said, I found a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. Who's that? I'm, this is commission here. Listen to this. Well, people, people don't even understand Jesus, Mark. Listen to this. He says, go and tell them the great supper is prepared. Everything I have is laid out for them. It's ready. All they got to do is show up. He says, and the servant came and reported these things. Then the master of the house, being angry. said to his servant, go out quickly into the streets and to the lanes of the city. Now in the prophetic timeline, he was speaking first to Israel. Now he's saying, go out into the streets and the city and find the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. That's every single one of us, the Gentile nations. That's all of us. Go out and find all the, that's us. That's us. And the servant said, master, it is done as you commanded and still, there is room. Look around you. Look around you. Got people out cooking. We got people leaving for spring break. People in for spring break. It's a little lower than usual. But even if it wasn't, look around you. There's still yet room. Because you just see what he says. He said, go. He said, when the servant come and said, they, they, they're not coming. They've got things to do. He said, go. That's the commission. That's the commission. That's the commission. He said, Master, I've done, it is done as you commanded, and still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, here it is, listen to me. Because now the, the weak, the halt, the main, the blind, they're all in. We're in. Hello? 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 So now that we're all in, what's he saying? Now. Then the master said, go out into the highways, into the hedges, and compel them. Compel them. Compel them. Teach your children diligently. From your, when you go to bed, when you rise up, Write it between your forehead, on your, between your eyes. Let it be a frontlet. Put it on the doorpost. Put it on the gates. Everywhere. Go out and, and compel them. We've been pushed back and driven back into our buildings while the world's going to hell. Now, he says, go out and compel them to come in. That my house... There's a lot of people that have thought there was, that there was the, the blessings of God in a big church full of little people. Seeker sensitive megas, they're not, not every big church is bad. Not every small church is good. 
But we've made a we made an idol out of out of of, of and, 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 and then people that have smaller churches they'll attack and say God doesn't go for a big church. Hey, we don't need big churches full of little people. We need little churches full of big people. I'll have you know that God wants big churches full of big people. You don't hear me. Lest you think, see, we've got all caught up in church growth and forgot the commission. I hate church growth. I found it out if you hate church growth and just live by the word, the church will grow. You know what? If you just preach the word, the church will grow. But lest you think that God doesn't want the church to grow. You know that silliness we, we do to make excuses for our, for our poor performance? Oh, y'all ain't hear me. I know a lot of so-called conservative Pentecostal pastors that are mad when churches grow and theirs didn't, and they start making excuses for their own poor performance. What have you done? You ain't, oh. We're finishing. Go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in. I got a question for Mag before I finish. Can, you, can we handle the highways and the hedges, people? No, I gotta, I'm, no, ask, I, don't you dare knee-jerk reaction me and then don't let your babies play with their babies because my baby, my, my baby, I don't want my babies play. I want, but I don't want. I'm asking, so I'm going to ask you again. Can Mag Church handle being a highways and hedges church? Can you handle being a highways and hedges church? Can you handle being a highways and hedges church? You were found in the ditch, I promise you. You think you were found in a fancy ditch, but you were just in a ditch. Go out into the highways and hedges, compel them to come in. Why? Why? That my house may be filled. He wants his house full. Now, the house is more than a room on the side of the highway that we meet. It's before I say to you that, it says, go into the highway and compel them to come into the house. Before I say to you that none of these men who were invited shall taste my supper. We got to understand something. That the invitation has been sent to one and to all. Why? Because God so loved the world. Oh, you didn't hear me. This is good preaching. The invitation has went out to all already. The price has been paid. The, t- the, the cost of admission is taken care of. The price has been paid. The provision has been had. The table is set. There's room enough for all. The invitation has been sent to everyone. It's not about the invitation, Mark. It's about the RSVP. 
It's, about, it's not about the invitation. It's about the reservation. It's about showing up. You ever been to a wedding that you've never, well, I said, you've never been to a wedding to a reception that you didn't attend. You've never been to a party that you didn't show up. Doesn't matter the invitation. The invitation's for all. But you've got, if you don't have time, you've got better things to do. Even when you want to let the, the very gifts that God gave you keep you from the banquet. It says, the ones who had, those who, who were invited shall not taste the supper. Of course, we're talking about here about the marriage supper of the Lamb. Mag Church, obedience to God. Thank God. Thank God. You should thank God. Let me just say, do you know how hard it was to sit on the front row during service to not just let the songs finish and come up here and preach a message and go eat? To come up here and say, no, we're not going to sing anymore. We're not going to go there. And to, that we're going to stop and not go through the motions that allowed the Spirit of God to speak to His people and to give what He wanted to say and to walk as He wanted us to walk today. That's not easy to do always. But Mag Church, that's who we've got to be. A humble people that will pray. Pray for your nation. I'm telling you, pray for your nation. Are you, can I, can I ask you, it's, are you paying attention? Are you paying attention to what's going on around you? Are you paying attention? Pray for your nation. Pray for your kids. Pray for your spouse. Pray for your schools. Pray. And love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all of your strength. It's time for a gut check, church. And it's time that we never, that we leave the tank empty. That means every day, sometimes it's exhausting. Let me tell you something. Sometimes it is exhausting. But if I leave anything in the tank, do y'all follow that? If I leave anything in the tank, I've left someone out. Neil, all I can give is what I've got. So that means you're going to have to fill your tank up. And the more I fill up, the more I got. But I can only give what I got, Mark. And if I leave anything in the tank, then I'll let somebody out. I don't have any right to, hold, to withhold anything. Church, you don't hear me. I don't have anything right. I don't have any right to go home with a half full tank. Give us this day. Give us this day our daily bread. Daily bread. It's daily. The manna was daily. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for 
and honor you that you would manifest your presence in this house. Lord, we, I submit myself and this body to your will. Lord, let us hear the word. Let us hear the word and be doers of the word, we pray. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with me all over this house. Mag Church, the altar call's already been made. God's already moved in, the, in hearts and lives today. The question is, are you going to go out and compel? Are you going to leave it all? Are you going to empty the tank? Let God move in your family and in your life. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Yes? And the question we will leave before we pray for the crawfish boil is, are we willing to be a highways and a hedges church? Told you what he's told many churches, he told us from the beginning, if you will go after the people that nobody else wants, I'll give you the people that everybody's after.